Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez, and this is Nick Alice Morahan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, the podcast. So it's been another magnificent week of sports shenanigans. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. We're going to start with the trivia question of the episode. And in honor of NHL announcing its return, that question is, how many eight seeds have hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup? If any, name them. That's what I love. That's what I love about the NHL playoffs is that you can have an eight seed who maybe not. I, I can't. I can't off the top of my head think about an eight seed. This is a good trivia question because I can't off the top of my head think about or think of an eight seed that won it. But I can think of multiple eight seeds that have won their first round games. <laughs> Most notably, last year when the Tampa Bay Lightning were were had the greatest. The set the record for most wins in a regular season and then got bounced by the Columbus Blue Jackets in four games. Bring out your brooms. Bring out your brooms. What an embarrassing loss. There's there's also something special about Lord Stanley's grail. It's it's just like it's the first time these guys get to touch it. I love I love the practice that they don't touch the Eastern or Western Conference trophies. They don't touch any other trophies that they get during the regular season. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But I didn't come for that. As you as it should be. I don't give a damn if you got a president's trophy. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning got the president's trophy, and then the Washington Capitals, like the few years before that, got the, the Washington Capitals trophy. used to get like the president's trophy like every like there was three years in a row that they got the president's trophy and they got bounced in the semis. By Pittsburgh. <laughs> By Pittsburgh. It was just it was just like, oh well shit. Here comes Pittsburgh. Kryptonite. <laughs> but, that's, but, but that's a good one. And, and and as you guys know, we've been doing this for three weeks now. We just gave you the trivia question in the beginning. We'll say the trivia question again at the end of the episode and give you the answer. Like I said, Jermaine. Jermaine came up with this one this week. Like I said, Jermaine, that was a good trivia question because I don't I can't even think. It wasn't Columbus. I don't know, man. That's that's a great question. When in doubt, uh it was some dumb it was some dumb like I guess Nashville hasn't won, but it was. It's going to be something dumb like the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like there was like one year that they just sucked butt until they got to the freaking playoffs, and then they're like, "Oh yeah." Just kidding. You suck my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Watch. It's going to be your nemesis, the Detroit Red Wings. Oh fuck the Detroit Red Wings. All right, real real talk on this podcast. All right. I I talk a lot of shit about the Saints. Jermaine talks a lot of shit about the the Panthers. We both. I I, I can't speak for Jermaine. I don't like the Falcons and, and I don't wish them well in sports. But like if somebody comes up to me and they're like, I'm a Falcons fan, I'm like, gross. Like you've, you probably aren't going to raise your children. Uh, well. you, you, you said it wrong. They're called Falcons. The fa- yeah. If someone says I'm a Falcons fan, then you've, you're obviously, you weren't raised right by your parents or some, 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 something is just off in your brain. I, if you tell me that you are, a Detroit Red Wings fan. I will actively go out of my way to shit talk you. And then if we weren't friends already, like established friends before I knew this information, there is a chance our friendship can be in question. I grew up 
on the Colorado Avalanche side of what I think is one of is is the greatest rivalry in sports history. Bold which was man. which was ninety five to about two thousand three. By the way, shout out Nevada Putnam doing the dirty work in Colorado, but that's 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 the hometown boy. He'll back me up on this. 95 to 2003, the greatest rivalry in sports history. Fuck the dead things. We can move on now. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me how many times the avalanche won in that, in that rivalry. Uh, They won twice. I don't know. I think the Red Wings won twice as well. Should the avalanche have two chips? Yeah, they won in they won their inaugural year in '95, and then they won in 2000, 2001 with the greatest hockey team ever assembled. I'm not used to you uh, rooting for winning sports teams. Yeah, that's shocking, isn't it? Well, see, the problem is is that I grew up in Denver, and they had the Avalanche win in '95, the Broncos win in '97 and '98, and then the Avs win again in 2000, 2001. So my childhood was great because I was like, wow people win all the time like this is just something that happens and then the panthers went to the playoffs in 2004 or went to the super bowl in 2004 and that's pretty much the last taste of of glory i guess 2007 with the rockies and that was the last taste of glory until 2015 i guess 2013 i'll consider 2000 byron byron's champions league run in 2000 we're not going to talk about 2012 but i mean why not Dude, <laughs> so for so so for those of you who don't know, the 2000, uh, 2011, 2012 Champions League, the final was being played in Munich. Bayern Munich was playing Chelsea in the final, and it came down to penalty kicks. And Chelsea beat them in the rain in Munich. I some there was a, there was a slip of some kind. I think John what a, Terry. What a John, glorious result! I hate John, Chelsea, but I'm so glad Bayern lost that. <laughs> and then the and then the the next year they had the, the miracle in uh, the miracle against Dortmund. Well, Dortmund just can't beat Bayern in general. Like it, they can't. It's unbelievable. You guys are seven points up on the lead table now because you just beat Dortmund 1-0. And in that same game, Erling Holland gets hurt and exits early. Gets replaced by Gio Reyna, though. Shout out U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah. you. I, so I, I actually have to inform all the podcast listeners of a prediction we made before we made. A prediction you made before we even had a podcast, which I believe was... What did you say? You said 2026 U.S. men's are going to are gonna win a chip, right? I don't know if I said chip. I said they'd make the semis. The semis. And then you, you predicted 2022, the English national team was yeah. going to win a chip. And this was all before the 2018. That's what I figured. That, that's all before the 2018. Hey, uh, keep it down, Siri. Yeah, she's real nosy, man. Yeah, <laughs> this was all before 2018 when I told you that France was going to win the World Cup and that Mexico was going to bounce Germany in Game One, and uh, you didn't believe me. So then we made a jersey bet, and uh, let me know how that worked out for you, Nick. 
listen, I, I don't I making the jersey bet with you for France, I bought you the I bought you the jersey because France obviously won the 2018 World Cup. But the thing that pissed me off even more was Francisco Suave Delogado, whatever his last name is, Suave getting up on the table and hip thrusting directly in my face after Mexico scored that goal. Because I went into that Germany game thinking, oh my God, we are going to blow Mexico out of the water. We're not the United States. We don't lose to Mexico in soccer. What's funny is, I, is told you, I told you you would. Like This is the Fußballmannschaft. I told you two and a half weeks before, and you got hot at me when I suggested the concept. And then when it happened, I believe you looked over at me as you were getting dusted on the pitch with the embarrassing showing that was the 2018 World Cup performance I, from Germany. I don't even I don't even think I was mad at you. I think I think I was even I think I wasn't mad at that Mexico game at you because Suave was taking all the heat. I think I just turned to you and just shook my head and I was like, fuck. You know what game I was mad at? And I think you remember this, the South Korea game. I was like screaming at the TV in that game. I was like, score a fucking goal, you fucking idiots. That was that was a dismal, dismal performance. I, w- I was actually shocked at how bad Germany looked in that. They just gave up. They I mean, they're young kids. They didn't expect to be playing for a spot. Like they they they, did, they didn't expect to be playing for a spot at second. They expected to come in and and f- it, it's the problem with Germany now is that they had such a long line of Lam, uh, Schweinsteiger, Klose, uh, Balak, uh, Neuer. They had such a long line of Mula guys that came in Podolski and established this lineage of winning in which you expected three teams to be. You expected. Spain and Germany to be in the semis at some point. It was Spain and Germany, right? And God, God forbid if we played Spain because they beat the fuck out of us or beat the fuck out of Germany. You, but you expected it. So these young kids came in with a little with an aging core. I said aging, not Asian. Um, I don't think anyone thought you said Asian, but thanks for I the thought, clarification. I, I, th- I thought I said Asian, so I just wanted to clarify for everybody. And. They just when they got down, they they just they they did what 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 millennials are famous for doing, and what's that? Hiding in our shells and be like, "This isn't fair. We're supposed to get this." That's the stereotype, and I guess they lived right up to the millennial stereotype. We we went down a rabbit hole here. You you got me talking about something I'm passionate in. Let's let's move let's move on to to another popular segment. Oh, everyone's favorite. Nick talks out of his Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. So you know that that we have this segment. Nick talks out of his ass. It's where we review the last show's mistakes. And Jermaine, we have a podcast room three hundred three first. I don't know if I believe this, but I'm gonna allow it. Please, please, if you guys are listening to the show, or if you listen to the last show, please let us know on social media, or through text message, or through phone call what facts we got wrong but reviewing last episode Jermaine I don't think I talked out of my ass once I think you threw a complete game I've been that's that's <laughs> high praise that's high praise so what what would be the equivalent of throwing a perfect game then um not saying Asian instead of a- aging a whole podcast without saying um or uh 
or having any dead space. That's not going to happen. Exactly. That's, that's, but that's a perfect game, though. That's true. So you asked for the equivalent. I'm not saying we're going to hit it. I'm just saying, like, that's the option. I'm, sh- I'm sure I've already made, like, three mistakes. Like, people are going to be like, wow, actually, the Tampa Bay Lightning didn't win last year. I'm, but. I'm actually not sure if Tampa Bay Lightning was last year or not. But I, just, I remember them getting swept in the first round. It was embarrassing. They got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Fight me if, if you think I'm wrong. I've, I just I know it happened. I don't know if it was last year. Is all I'm saying. It, it probably wasn't. <laughs> all right. So uh, I've got a quick quick question for you. So I'm you know pretty annoyed with listening to all these whiny major league baseball players, bunch of entitled chaches. And so I was, you know, the owners are trying to recoup money, and then all the minor leaguers who just got cut. And then shout out David Price, who's giving $1,000 of his own money to each minor leaguer who's in the Dodgers system. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out David Price and and ask your question. But there's also, uh, I'm going to look it up right now, but there's also, I saw two major league baseball clubs that are going to play, going to pay their minor leaguers as if the season was still happening. So I'll take a look at that and... uh you, but you ask your question. But yeah, shout out David Price paying each minor leaguer a thousand dollars out of his paycheck, and the stipulation of that they cannot be on the forty man roster. So if you're on the forty man roster, no, no cashing checks from David Price. <laughs> Papa Price pays out. Uh, <laughs> so the, I was thinking, since the MLB, you know, they're they're being real whiny about instead of getting paid tens of millions of dollars they were trying to pay them millions of dollars and people were not not all right with that so i was just like what if we had a real life replacements movie like we instead of firing the minor leaguers you just put a whole team together of your minor leaguers and that's who played your season for or or not minor leaguers let's just go full let's fire the minor leaguers recruit the talent all right i'm gonna lean in real close to the mic here mlb (laughs) It's me, left-handed pitching phenom Nick Morahan, talking to you guys. Listen, I know you guys are having some issues right now. You're trying to pay. You're trying to pay. Max Serger doesn't want to. Max Serger wants his thirty-three million a year. But guess what? You only want to pay him six million. Well, guess well. I have a solution for you. Nick Morahan, phenom lefty, throws gas, probably seventy plus. Disgusting slider. Only got hit 425 in high school every time I threw it. I'm talking to you guys. You pay me league minimum, and I will go out there and throw my arm out in the first game for you guys. That's my pledge. There play. it is. That's there my pledge. We fixed your and you know what? Major League and, Baseball. And uh, you know what? MLB, I'm actually going to, I'm actually, I'm a package deal with the man uh sitting across the country from me because Jermaine Colomendez never swinging a never swinging at a baseball in his life. Now I don't know if this is going to help me or 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 hurt me. <laughs> but never swinging a never swinging a bat in his life other than charity softball games. Stepped in, uh, the dish, stepped into the dish against me and got blown away. Got blown away the first couple of times. But once the coaching came in, so you really, if you want any position, I'll be a, I'll be a player manager. It, it it doesn't matter to me if I'm playing for the love of the game, right? As I gave Jermaine some coaching, Jermaine stepped up and Jermaine hit a yacker to center field. 
I was, been a- I was pretty impressed. It's spooky standing in a box when someone's throwing that baseball at you yeah. with any kind of heat on it. Newfound respect. I was blown away. And then and then it's the fatigue factor after I must have taken at least a hundred plus swings of you just chucking like dude, 70, so, 80 miles at me. Dude, and, and and if at at best, so so here's here's the crazy thing. At best, let's say I'm in my prime, I could probably hit ah, low nineties. The fastest ball I threw in high school was low nineties, probably, right? The major league average is 95. <laughs> so imagine standing in against me in Diego Garcia on a softball field, not on a raised mound, probably throwing 70s. I'm, I'm probably 60s, 70s. And you thought it was like, whoa. Yeah. no. And then uh, yeah. And then in the middle of a freaking you – know, so, so set the stage. It's July. It's the middle of July. It's a 7.05 start time. You're playing in my – you're playing let's, – let's pick – you're playing in – Tampa. We're playing it. We'll say we're playing in Atlanta, right? <laughs> Open field, and you're just you have to get up. And Max Scherzer is on the mound, and he's like, "I'm going to throw a cutter that's going to break from your ankles to the other to the other side of the plate." Oh yeah, and it's going to come in at 97 miles per hour, and you have to be like, oh, "Okay, cool." That's what blew my mind was when the ball was on the outside, like it's on, the ball is on my back. <laughs> so it's coming from behind me back into the plate. I was just like, oh, this is how I die. I'm about to get hit because I didn't have any helmet. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so, bonked and dead. So, what breaks a lot of baseball players, and I'm sure a lot of baseball players or guys that played baseball at a high level will, at high level, I played in fucking high school. Um, guys that, that played competitive baseball at some point in their lives. My dad broke me of that fear because my dad would just throw curveballs at me until I learned to not get out of the way. Like I would duck out of the way and he'd then throw a fastball high and inside and be like, those are pitches you watch out for. Like those are pitches you can hit the ground for like high chin fastballs. Thanks dad. Thanks dad. I'm, I'm eight years old. Shout out Papa Moran. Shout out Mark Moran. Doing it right. Doing it right in the nineties. Raising kids right. Check it, check it. He was not a slouch either. He's six one, six one, probably two fifty back then. Chucking inside fastballs to a twelve year old. Speaking of being good in the nineties, let's talk about this match too. Uh, that just went off without a hitch on Sunday. Actually, there was kind of a hitch because it rained, but still. Yeah. So, so for for those of you who have been living under a rock, or for those of you who don't like sports at all. The match two is a follow up to a match that happened two years ago 20. between between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. The match two was a pairing of Tiger and Peyton Manning against Phil and Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, this podcast uh, put out our first official bet <laughs> on social media where we took the underdogs at plus one fifty. So you know they weren't expected to win, but we took Mickelson free money. Brady. Yeah, exactly. We took Mickelson Brady, and they they made it a contest at the end. Um, only only finished one behind. Yeah, but we didn't get that. We didn't get that outright win and that payday. So zero uh, yeah. and one. And if you subscribe to mm. our moniker our own moniker that we established episode one is fade the pod you yeah. made money you're welcome yeah so you guys are you guys would have some money right now if you just faded us but 
So, Jermaine, some some stats for you on the match, so, and then we'll get into some of the I highlights of it. So they had stats. they had five point eight million viewers across four channels. That's more than the last episode of The Last Dance. Whew. They raised twenty million dollars for COVID relief. Twenty. Man. That's two zero million for COVID that, relief. I believe that's eight figures. That's that <laughs> is yes. Uh, and they were the number one topic trending on Twitter for most of the day, at least when I logged in. And they introduced us to the fact. Now, I, I think Major League Baseball should take it should take a look at this and should see that golf, incredibly boring game, played normally played by a large contingent of older white men, stuffy old white men. And they somehow made golf fun by letting personalities come out and miking up the players and putting the golf cart camps. They introduced us to Charles Barkley and that awful golf swing. Justin Thomas. Oh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning talking junk before the game. What were your favorite parts of the match? So Justin Thomas, the highlight of was Justin Thomas just running around on the on the on the actual like green itself and like helping announce. And I thought he did a great job. He's got a future in broadcasting, but there was, there was one, there was one quote from the match where Justin Thomas goes, I'd love, I'd love to see you try to junk dunk a basketball. You fat ass. (laughs) Charles Barkley gets a lot of Barkley. So my favorite part. And so I only watched the first nine holes and then it, it kind of lost my interest and I dipped out. I was probably pretty, I probably dipped out because uh, Brady and Mickelson were, <laughs> didn't decide yeah. to go up for my bet. But uh, I was a big fan of when Tom Brady absolutely lost it. So I'm not sure if this is accurate or not. So I didn't go on the internet to look it up, but I thought they muted Tom, like they muted the broadcast because Tom Brady was bending over to pick up his ball and just just letting loose the 21 sailor words and just hot. And then when Charles Barkley talked crap to him and you saw that it actually affected Tom Brady, like he got, he got angry and then he just walks up and hits a little, hits a little, you know, I think he was probably a five, a five iron and just drops it right into the hole. I was just like, wow. And and you can, and, and, and Chuck, uh, the, the announcers were talking, so Brady didn't have a clear line of communication, so he had to say Chuck, Chuck, Chuck a couple times. I think that calmed him down for national TV because if he hadn't, I think he would have <laughs> he would have called Chuck some four letter words that <laughs> yeah, those sailor the sailor vocab dude. He almost turned into he almost turned into South Beach Tom, which is what I want so bad. I guess South Beach Tom. I guess Tampa's that- not South Beach, but you know what I mean. I think the real highlight of the match is is something that we both talked about. We talked about with our good friend Spence. Shout out Spence. Ooh, is that when you're when when we're playing on the golf course, you're drinking a couple beers, you're throwing them back with your buddies, and for for but most of all, I mean, you make a few bets here, but most of all, you don't need any of that because the main thing about golfing with your buddies is you talk shit to them every hole. There's there's no good shots when you play with your buddies unless they absolutely mash a ball and then you're like all right what are you, what are you trying to prove out here man like but yeah, so I actually it's, uh, it's basically I, go ahead yeah I I was just saying it's it's 
the thing that we wanted from the first match was more like Tiger and Phil talking talking junk. Was Tiger was Tiger and Phil talking junk, and we got it in the second match mainly with Peyton and Tom Brady just going back and forth while they're warming up and waiting for the match to start in the rain. Yeah, Tiger Woods actually, uh, when Tom Brady hit that shot, Tiger Woods is trash talk line to Tom. He's just like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Brady's showed up for the match. <laughs> they're, they're, they're starting the eighth hole. <laughs> That's funny. I, I was like, yo, Tiger, chill, bro, chill. But yeah. yo, can we just talk about how Tiger looks he looks he looks pro tour ready right now. Like he's ready Dude, to healthy win some championships. The and last time we saw him this healthy. The last time we saw him this yeah, huge shorts. The last time we saw him this this healthy, he won the Masters. Maybe COVID did Tiger good. Maybe maybe he's balling outrageous, getting ready for the, the PGA season. Yeah. So what's 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 awesome about the match too is uh Two weeks prior, I was like, I pulled out my clubs because I'm in the process of moving. I pulled out my clubs and I was like, man, I really need to get into golf and not just like have these clubs and golf every once in a while and be absolutely terrible. So I decided that I'm going to get a good set of clubs and then I'm going to get some lessons and I'm going to come for you, bro. I'm coming to, I'm coming in to, to, parts unknown because we won't reveal locations parts but I'm, I'm coming there and we're gonna play parts unknown golf, golf course number two and i'm gonna dust you up bro okay so care. so i've played three times in the last week uh i have a professional swing fitting tomorrow for new clubs uh my price point is set at two grand or below so anytime you want these hands and balls and clubs, you can come to unnamed location number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. And it will actually be me that is dusting you, my friend. Dude, that was the worst bit of trash talk I've ever heard. We're moving on just on that alone. That was miserable. You should knock it off. <laughs> the key so- thing being I've played a lot of golf in the last couple of days. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good trash talk, buddy. <laughs> Who are you calling uh, buddy guy? <laughs> I'm going to break my clubs out and maybe get lessons and then I'm coming for you. Oh yeah, why? Well, I'm putting action. I'm putting words words into action. I'm playing. Not practice. Not 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 a game. Okay, so yeah, you finally got some good trash talk. Good good stuff. Practice. Good stuff. Alan Iverson called. He said, "Hey, I copyrighted that." So as mentioned earlier, as mentioned earlier, the NHL is making its return and it's announced quite a bit of of news as, as far as that goes. And, you know, the NBA and MLB are also making news as far as that goes. And NBA has nothing real concrete going. They've got a few ideas that are cooking. Um, the official... Um, uh, answer they're supposed to have put together said it was coming sometime before next Thursday. And Adam Silver is on the record as saying that he wants a start of July 31st. 
So I'm not too sure how it's going to come up, but you know, hopefully the NBA gets started soon because I need me some hoops. Yeah. So I, I I got a I got a question for you. So you know we they've discussed 20 team playoffs. They've discussed World Cup 32 team playoff styles. They've discussed 20 team playoffs. I I I saw an article pop up today. Uh, and I think it was a I think it was a Bleacher Report notification that I got on my phone that said. Uh, league officials, or not league officials, but NBA, I guess, league, what am I trying to say? League execs, that's what I'm trying to say, around the league are fearful that the NBA is trying to expand the playoffs to as many teams as possible, or to as many teams as it takes to get the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson, Jesus H, into the playoffs. And I want to get your thoughts on that rumor. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The dude missed the first part of the NBA season, came back, and was electric. He was ratings bonanza. Everyone couldn't talk about him enough. It's it's smart on their on their behalf. It's what MLB doesn't do with their truly talented players. Like they don't spotlight Mike Trout, which who's which is a darn shame. Which is a darn shame because he's going to be the greatest baseball player to ever ever lace up a pair of cleats and run that diamond ever. And nobody knows about it. He's quietly the best. I I always love pausing our podcast for what I like to call Mike Trout Love Fest. And you'll hear it has already happened and it will continue to happen until we've done 1,000 episodes. Jermaine, who just got got, uh, elected to the Hall of Fame? What two players? It was Larry Walker and... Man, was it Derek here? The captain, Derek Jeter. Larry Walker is 79th in the overall list of war. Wins above replacement. Derek Jeter is 77. 77th all time in that list. Would you like to know who's 78? Well, you know, I feel like it's probably on topic and it's Mike Trout. Eight years of baseball and the man is sandwiched in between Larry Walker and and Derek Jeter. This, I, all right. Now, now you we can resume your your normally scheduled programming. The uh, the trout. Anyways, uh, back to I think Zion Williamson needs to be in the playoffs, and that. So I sent this little write up to my friends in our basketball text group chat. It was just me sitting there watching hoops and then thinking about storylines that were going to be playing out for the rest of the season and what I, you know, thoughts about the postseason and how everything's kind of changed and how it's real different. And there's like a real changing of the guard per se. And I thought as long as the NBA gets either Ja Morant or Zion Williamson playing LeBron on national television for at least four games, they're going to end up winning. So whatever they have to do to get the New Orleans Pelicans into the playoffs or into however they're going to structure their thing, it should be done. And I don't care if you're a fearful, whiny, crybaby executive. You want more eyeballs on your product because then you earn more money. Earning more money means more cheddar in your pocket. More cheddar in your pocket means you go to five dimes, the official sports book of Podcast Room 303, unofficial. And – you put take a little pizza money and you put that on. Is Mike Trout gonna be the greatest baseball player ever? Yes. The odds are <laughs> the odds are negative fifteen thousand right now. Yes. There's no debate. 
All right, give so, us the, give us the NHL. Uh. So the NHL has discussed they basically have a multi phase uh, return plan. So they, you know, that the the news is that they've already announced this 2014 playoff. So the regular season is over. The 24 teams, based on point percentage, have now got into the playoffs. So what we should expect now is early June that the NHL is actually titling this their return to play plan, right? All capital letters, so it makes it official, right? We're in phase one right now, which is self-isolation, don't do anything. They're saying basically phase two is early June. It's expected that teams can return to their home facilities for small group, voluntary, on and off ice training, right? The phase three is not going to start any earlier than the first half of July. Then what they're going to do is they're going to announce formal training camp with basically that state with guidance from that state's medical and civil authorities. So no no sooner than the, the first half of June, they're going to get together and figure this out. Then phase four, right, is going to be the actual playoffs. And they don't know when that's going to happen because they need to formulate this training camp still. And it's going to be 24 teams in two hub cities, right? with seeding round robins, a qualifying round, and then conference-based Stanley Cup playoffs, right? The two hub cities, and I would assume it's probably going to be an East Coast city or an Eastern Conference city and a Western Conference city, but the two hub cities are going to be selected from the following list. Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, jackpot, (laughs) Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Toronto and Vancouver. I would love to see Vegas and Chicago. That's actually the two I was going to say because I think Vegas that, and Chicago. I, I think if if I was a betting man, and I am, they're going to be the the considered the favorites. With Vegas probably being the primary favorite, yeah. I think those are those are great cities because they have the facilities and the and the locale and the ability to host all the teams present at the same time because it's going to be what 12 per city at 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 one time so that's going to be a substantial strain that you're putting on um yeah. first of all I, I love everything that the nhl decided 24 yeah, they, teams, they, the round they, robin play in like the the top four teams get buys but they also play each other to see who for seeding yeah oh man they did a great job with the so I, and I remember last the last time we talked about these dates, we shit on the NHL because we were like, well, you haven't heard anything from the NHL. And I think the NHL was just waiting and being like, all right, let's see what everybody else does. All right, well, let's talk about this, and this is going to be our plan. And it's a very well-worked-out plan. And it, ha- it, it doesn't – what I like about it is I, I want to see hockey playoffs, but it doesn't – it doesn't set you up with the expectation. They're still saying, look, we don't know when this is going to happen. This is our plan going forward, but we're still very much at the mercy of the States. So, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, we teased the NHL for sure about this because every week we're hearing something about MLB and NBA and, you know, the, so- the soccer leagues overseas. And it's, it's just kind of gets, cumbersome because nothing is concrete it's just all these different reports uh, and it's all these sports reporters trying to maintain getting paid while there's no sports so you're just getting bogged down with these absurd concepts over and over again or 
how the NBA should fix its season and this, that, and the other. And it's, you know, it's Joe Schmo. The 24-7 news cycle has killed not only mainstream media, but sports reporting as well, because they always need to have a topic. If we didn't have 24-7 sports reporting, we could just be like, nobody's put out a plan. Here's some highlights of old games. <laughs> My thing is, let's say, how about you just like, be like, there's no news to report. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no news. Turn on turn on the last dance or turn on your favorite old tape of, I don't know, favorite team playoff run in X year. Look it up on YouTube. YouTube still exists, you morons. Go look up, go look up Carolina Panthers 2004 run and then just watch every game and be like, oh, cool. And that'll last you pretty much until quarantine's over. And if yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> watch a couple documentaries, read a book. I, I dare you to do something else. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we just, just touched on it a little bit and we touched on it earlier. The MLB, the players association canceled the last owner's proposition. They're submitting their renegotiation. Who knows if it's going to happen? Uh, I'm, I'm done really. I don't want to touch on this anymore. I'm done getting excited for the MLB season to happen. Cause it seemed like two weeks ago, we were going to have an MLB season and then we're not going to have an MLB season. And, so I, I, I'm, I'm trending more to the, if, if I had to put money on it, I'd put money on no MLB season. Yeah. If I was a betting man and I am, which we are, uh, MLB will probably not play this season. And that's a wild, wild concept to just say out loud, but we'll just move on. What, what do you got on the NFL front as far as when OTAs and training camps can kick off? Yeah, so so today, actually, the NFL was supposed to end their virtual offseason program. So, you know, they're doing a bunch of Zoom meetings like we talked about last time. They're having a, a set number of personnel in the buildings that are allowed to come in. They've actually pushed that virtual offseason training program two weeks to the 12th of June. So, right, 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 right. And right. basically, they have said that they don't, they could push it even more, and they don't know when. Uh, actual physical physical drain uh, physical training camps will happen now. J.C. Treader, who's the who's the Brown Center and is also the president of the Players Association, has said that both the owners and the Players Association negotiated a hard stop quotation marks end quote for the program for this program to end no later than the 26th of June. So that's two more weeks. They can push it back from the start right now, but they will start in-person training camps on the 26th of June. Now we know how reliable owners are at keeping their promises and, you know, deals tend to fall out from that, but it seems like the, the NFL is moving forward with actually starting on time and, and doing everything they need to do on time. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's everything I'm hearing is that the NFL is, making minor tweaks and changes, but they're still operating business as usual to the, to the point where they actually think that when the season starts, the butts will be in the seats. So I'm actually, I'm actually really excited for that. And so governor uh, Abbott, you know, shout out Texas uh, actually already came out and said that when sports do return, they can already have a 25% capacity in, in Texas. Yeah, so, well, I, Texas has always been pretty. Texas hasn't been hit that hard by by COVID, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and they they've been pretty uh, pragmatic with all their responses to it. it was, so I kind of admire Texas on that front. 
Yeah, definitely. So moving on to more college fo- college football that happens or football that happens before that, which is college football. So the NCAA released a plan that just how college does this sound? Re-socialization of, co- of collegiate sports action plan considerations. I bet you a Navy officer wrote that. That's just a fancy way to say that players will be allowed to start team activities and be on campus as early as June 8th. If if you guys have any more questions, you can actually go to the official NCAA website. And if you just type in what I just said, resocialization, collegiate sports, action plan considerations, it's essentially a, a, a news bulletin that puts out everything that teams need to do to be in requirement with the COVID guidelines. So it seems like college football is coming back too. Yeah, so the coaches themselves have already been back to – well, most, not all, but have already been back to campuses and working out of their office there, you know, putting together game plans and practices and stuff like that. So uh, college football seems to also be progressing that way. <laughs> I just thought it was funny when NCAA uh, made their initial announcement of saying, yeah, the athletes can come back and start training on this date. They only announced it for two sports. Do you know which two sports? Uh, football and basketball. I wonder why that is. Hashtag mm. is a business. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, your, your kids that we don't pay can come back and make money for our school. Anyway, moving on. Jermaine, what do you have for, uh, international football return dates? Oh, we've got a host of dates. So I'm just going to run through Give them. Me with them. Hit, run through them real quick. We've got La Liga. That is the Spanish top tier soccer Soccer program returning June 11th. We've got the EPL, which is the English Premier League, returning June 17th. We've got Serie A returning June 20th. That is the Italy Soccer League. And then Italian. some people say Italian. No, dude. Nobody says that unless, unless you're talking about food. Yes. <laughs> then League One, which announced like sometime at the end of April that the season's canceled and they yeah, crowned, they were early. <laughs> they crowned PSG their champ. And they realized PSG was going to win it anyway. So they're like, all right, here, here you go. <laughs> and then they, Marseille and Rennes uh, get the other two UCL bids. Uh, so right now there is no decision on the UCL for returning, but I'd be shocked if that doesn't return with three of the, actually four of the five leagues already coming back to playing with uh, Germany's Bundesliga already having matches. So it's only a matter of time before the UCL gets announced and we have that tournament going as well. Yeah. So they're going to make a decision on the 17th of June and they've already established a working group of top professionals of top men to decide where the only the only news that we've heard is that they are going to move the final from Istanbul I believe we, I, ha, I didn't find the news story but I heard a rumor that it's going to be somewhere in Germany because Germany has done very well with combating this this COVID this COVID uh, virus yeah there's probably you know there's probably a list of 10 to 12 host cities but I believe uh Munich. I, be- I believe Munich is is the odds-on favorite right now. So yeah. if I if I was a betting man, and I am, which you are, <laughs> I'd take Munich. Yeah. 
As far so, as American soccer goes, what do you got for those? Yeah, so American soccer, the the MLS is kind of uh, tentatively, they haven't announced anything official, but they've said that players can start to head to the worldwide, the wide world of sports in Orlando, Florida, that's Disney World, the 21st of June. Uh, basically, players are able to tra- tra- train at the. Jeez, I can't talk today. I haven't even. I'm not even drinking. Um, they're allowed to train at their clubs right now. Um, what is actually pretty cool and seems to be the most thought out and ready to go is the uh, National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, is actually has a 2020 Challenge Cup that's running from June 27th to July 26th in which they play 26 games in Utah. It's already set up. It's already ready to go. The players are uh, should get out there like and have a two-month training camp in the middle of June. So they seem to be the most set up of all the sports leagues across America. Underpaid, shout, out, uh, shout out the NWSL. Underpaid and underappreciated, I guess. Well, that's because they, they can't f- forego a couple million of do- dollars. <laughs> because that's they, right. Because they want all their monies. Yeah. That, that's pretty awesome. I actually, women's soccer is super exciting to watch. Shout out the U.S. women's national team. Yeah. Equal pay. All right. So the bulk of today's podcast, which I'm, we say at the 45 minute mark, uh, <laughs> is today's topic is worst, worst way to win is a simple way of putting it. Go ahead and let them know what, what well, I just, I, I thought that this is a fun thing. Again, shout out Nevada Putnam for, for kind of bringing this. He, he, he kind of started a, a, a match in my, uh, or lit, lit a fuse in my head because he, um, came up, he texted me, texted me one day and he said, what do you think the worst passing game or what worst game by an NFL quarterback was who then won the game, who was credited with the win? His was, and I, I give to you the first one on the list, which was, he said, Tim Tebow's game against KC, two for eight. 69 yards with one of those two passes being a 56-yard touchdown to Eric Decker. <laughs> Wait, 66 yards? 69 yards with a 56-yard touchdown to Eric Decker, which means the other pass traveled 13 yards. <laughs> so that got me thinking, and I looked. Uh, we, uh, we browsed around online, and we came up with what we think is the worst winning uh, quarterback games of all time, like a top 10 list. And Jermaine, you'll give, well, yeah, I, I guess it's 11 because we've included the Tim Tebow as an honorable mention. But Jermaine, give me some of the games. I'll take some of them and we'll talk about them. Do you want to start with the worst game or do you want to start with... Uh, <laughs> like the tenth best in this situation. So, are we going? Are we ending with the worst game, or do you want to start with? We'll 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 end with the worst game. So, I'll, I'll so I'll I'll go here, right? So, uh, the first game that I found, right, was Brady Quinn, December twentieth, two thousand nine. Many as you, many of you may know, Brady Quinn was one of many 
Brown's quarterback mistakes before Baker Mayfield. And it, it may turn out that Baker Mayfield is a mistake too. But verdict still out. He played on this day against the Pittsburgh Steelers. On this day, in this forty-one to thirty-four win on the Browns' part, Brady Brady Quinn was ten for seventeen, sixty-six yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, for a passer rating of twenty-seven point seven. Now, you're asking me, how did the Browns win this game, Nick? Well, what you're going to see a common thread thread in this is one. I don't have – I could look up the stats from the, the Steelers quarterback in this game. I didn't find them. But the two common threads threads is that the opposing quarterback did not play very well or the opposing defense did not defend the run well at all. And this was the Jerome Harrison game, if you remember that from back in the day. Jerome Harrison ran for 286 yards and three touchdowns. Jeez. 34 times he ran the ball. <laughs> Incredible. I wonder what the offensive plan of attack was on that game. Yeah. So the second one, I'll go into the second one that I found on my list because it hits way too close to home. And it was Jake DeLome of the no. Carolina Panthers. Not DeLome. October 18th, 2009. The Panthers are playing the Buccaneers and they beat them 28 to 17. Jake DeLome completed 9 of 17 for 65 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. One of those picks was returned for a touchdown. John Fox, being the smart coach that he was at that time, Handed the ball to smash and dash D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart 48 times for 667, or sorry, for 267 yards and three touchdowns. I was going to say they ran for 667 yards in one game. There's a quote by D'Angelo Williams in which he said, I'm sure everyone in the stadium knew what we were going to do. There was sometimes they had nine men in the box and we still ran it for seven to eight yards. Man, that's a Carolina made it to a was was that was that the year that you guys met? No, when did you guys make the Super Bowl with Delum? That was 04. No, that was yeah, that was 04. But we but that was the year that they made the playoffs in 2009. That was year that that was year they made the playoffs and Delome had the I think it was the turnover game. I think that was Delome's last year because he had the four turnover game against the Arizona Cardinals in the playoffs. Oh, the the five the five turnover game where he threw four interceptions and and one fumble and then he came back the 2010 regular season to open up the year and threw five picks and a fumble and the Carolina Panthers like all right you're not our quarterback anymore and they uh that was against Kurt Warner right yeah that was the year that the Cardinals played the Steelers in the Super Bowl that was the year that San San Antonio Holmes made the greatest San Antonio Holmes. Yeah, I believe it was Antonio Holmes. Made the greatest catch in NFL history. Miss me. 
What a gosh, still I'm still I'm still upset at that catch because you know nobody likes the Steelers. If if I'm San Antonio Holmes, I have I have one of my walls in my mansion with that picture on it, just blown up that big. So I can walk by and be like, Yeah, you did that, dog. If I'm San Antonio Holmes, I'm buying a stack of fifty t shirts, screen printing that image on all fifty t shirts, and only wearing that shirt anywhere I go. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> alright so the next game we got is Michael Vick of the Atlanta Falcons October 24th 2005 <laughs> this, is, this is when he was on the Madden cover right Madden 05 oh what I thought McNabb was Madden oh yeah he was he was 04 that's like, when they 04. that's when they added a passer passer vision you remember Oh yeah, yep. Oh, dude, 05, the 05 Madden is probably my favorite Madden of all time. The cur- the current Madden suck now. Yeah, for sure. Did you uh, hear about NFL and EA announcing their partnership for another five years? Yep, it's a like bi- a billion dollars to the NFL and five hundred million to the players. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. But this, so, anyways, back to the Atlanta Falcons. Actually, ironically, not failing, even though their quarterback failed. It was a twenty-seven fourteen win over the Jets. Twenty-seven <laughs> fourteen. Oh my god! So the Falcons actually ran the ball thirty-eight times for two hundred and five yards, a measly two hundred and five yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Michael Vick. Oddly enough, had both those touchdowns, one yarders. But he was 11 for 26 with 116 yards passing, no tutties, and three INTs. He, yeah, that's uh, the three INTs is not good, but at least he added a couple of touchdowns on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he saved your fantasy week. <laughs> yeah. That was the, this matchup. The reason why uh, the Falcons were able to win this game is because they went up versus the monster quarterback pairing of Brooks Bollinger and Vinny Testaverde. Oh my God! What? What? This is two thousand five. This is two thousand five. Yeah. Oh my God! Vinny Testaverde was about ten years out of the ten years removed from retirement at that point. Like he needed to have retired about five years earlier. He's actually forty-one years old in this game. Oh, he was. Yeah, he fumbled. He, he- Bumble he played with the Panthers. I don't remember what year he did. I think he played with the Panthers in like 2011. I mean, the Panthers are terrible. Who cares? Testaverde fumbled three times. He came out of re- he came out of retirement that year. Actually, jeez. <sighs> All right, let's move on. All right, you want to do the next one, or you want me to do it? Sure, I'll do the next one. All right. Yeah. Oh man, came out of retirement because Chad Pennington got hurt. What a that's a bad year for the Jets. No wonder everyone no wonder everyone boos at the draft for the Jets fans. And they haven't been good since. <laughs> I mean that's not true. They they made an AFC championship with Mark yeah, Sanchez. I, I will say 2011 was the last time the Jets were good. Shout out, shout out Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. <laughs> Mr. Butt Fumble himself. We have uh, the next game is Jake the Snake Plummer. September 7, 2003 for the Denver Broncos. Oh, dude, he had Clinton Portis to hand off to. No wonder. Oh, yeah. 
the one they run that won this game. <laughs> Plummer was uh, not good. Portis had 24 rushing attempts for 120 yards and two tutties. Oh, man. Plummer was 12 for 25 with 115 yards, no tutties, and three interceptions. That's back-to-back no tutties, three interception games. Yeah. Dang, they won 30 to 10 over the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Shout out defense. Here's that. This one's for you. John Kitna was the quarterback of the uh, the Bengals. Oh God. No wonder that no wonder the Bengals lost. John Kitna. So the Broncos D had two INTs and two fumbles. They have Von Miller on that team yet? I don't he does it seem like Von Miller's it seems like Von Miller's been there since like the eighties. I, I just don't think Von Miller has <laughs> ever not played football for the Broncos. Well, it's because he wears glasses, so he looks like he's 80 years old. So you're like, oh, he's been in the league for like a while. Like, bro, you got millions of dollars. Get corrective eye surgery. <laughs> Dude, he wears the biggest, nerdiest glasses, too. The biggest, nerdiest glasses. Like, uh, like a man, who's... Uh, I'm not even going to try, but it's like there's a cartoon kid genius who has those kind of... <laughs> Those kind of glasses. He's trying to do. He's trying to do like Clark Kent things. Oh yeah, exactly. He's trying way too hard. All right, so we're we're getting down to to the to the really terrible games here now. And anybody anybody that's listening right now, remember Christian Ponder. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's if you're if you're a Vikings fan, you do. He's the guy who wasted Adrian Peterson. Yep. So on this day, this day of October 21st, 2012, uh, remember what I said, the common thread is, thread is here. So Adrian Peterson, this is the Adrian Peterson game. So the Vikings drafted Ponder with the 12th pick in the 2011 draft. All right. He was good at Florida. But on this day, they beat the Cardinals 21 to 14. His stat line that day, Jermaine, 8 for 17, 58 yards. That's a 3.4 yards per attempt. One touchdown to the great Percy Harvin and two picks. God. Now, the real, the really crappy thing about this game is the Arizona Cardinals trotted out a guy named John Skelton. This was Yo, in that year. Hold on. Time out, time out, time out. I went to high school with John Skelton. That's dope. Well, you, well, you'll, you'll, you'll love this, all right? This was in those years when the Cardinals couldn't figure out who their quarterback was. Like, after, like, they got Kurt Warner, and then, like, he got injured, and then, like, Matt Leinert, and they kind of just couldn't figure out anybody. John Skelton, on this day, was 25 for 36, 262 yards, and one touchdown until Harrison Smith for the Vikings returned a 31-yard interception for a touchdown and the deciding score. That's that's how they lost the game? That's how they lost the game. So John Skelton balled out that game until the very end made his one mistake. I'm sure it wasn't his one, but but his one, that mistake cost him. That's wild. Yeah. That is wild. So, yeah. Pays, pays to be lucky. Pays to be better to be lucky than good. We mentioned him earlier. So moving along the list, we mentioned him earlier. Mark Sanchez, the New York Jets, the same year, 
as this last one, 2012, December 2nd, 2012, the New York Jets were playing again the Arizona Cardinals. Get out of town. Right? So, Mark Sanchez is a great quarterback. In 2012, he threw 26 passes. We talked about it. We talked about it already. He took them to the AFC Championship. They were riding high on the hog. Right? They were one game away from the Super Bowl. All right? Then in 2000, in the offseason, you remember, they added Tim Tebow. That's right? right. That's right. They traded for him. The final score of this game on this December 2nd day against the Arizona Cardinals. 7-6, Jermaine. <laughs> Mark Sanchez was 10 for 21, 97 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions with two of the picks to carry Rhodes. They pulled, they pulled him in the fourth quarter for a guy named Greg McElroy. They pulled Sanchez? Pulled Sanchez down. They pulled Sanchez down 6 nothing to the Cardinals. Greg McElroy came in and threw a one-yard touchdown pass, the only pass he threw in his NFL career, and won the game. The Cardinals in this game, Jermaine, as a fun little stat, the Cardinals in this game went 0 for 15 on third down. How? <laughs> That's just a big how. <laughs> how do you how do you manage that? That's that's so Mark Sanchez throws that awful game, gets pulled in the fourth, and gets replaced by a seventh rounder in his second year who throws his only touchdown pass of his NFL career to win the game. Hey, he should get that moment. He gets not. He, he's he, he's on the he's on the he's on the relief pitcher appearance list. The relief pitchers in football. That's what we should do. What quarterbacks came in to to play the best game? Nick Foles. Yeah, obviously that's number one. That's the perfect game of relief pitchers. Oh man! Next, we got another Cleveland Browns stinker. Stinker. Derek Anderson, October 11, 2009. Shout oh, out to you. Well, was this, well, this was 2009. Didn't he have a really good year in 2009? Actually, yeah, I do. I do Didn't think he go to the Pro Bowl in 2009? Hold on. You keep, keep talking about this performance. I'll look it up. I think that the Browns might have had a winning record that year, actually. But he was 2 of 17 for 23 yards, no tutties, and one INT. <laughs> it was the oh first time God. a winning team was led by a quarterback completing just two passes since the legendary Achilles Smith did it on nine. Yeah. For the Bengals against the Broncos in 2000. So I lied. 2007 is when uh, the Browns oh. went 10 and five with Derek Anderson. And he went to the Pro Bowl. I remember that season though. Derek Anderson was dicing people up, dude. I, I had him in fantasy football that year. Still never lost a game as a Carolina Panthers backup quarterback. <laughs> this game ended in a 6-3 score. Oh, Jesus. At least in the earlier ones, we <laughs> we had like, you know, like oh. actual like points. <laughs> so the Bills quarterback was 50 to 31 for 152 yard and no tutties and one interception. 
Hey, what hey, is that truck that I hear? Oh, it's a garbage truck coming to take these two quarterbacks out of the game. Yeah, I remember when we were doing this, I was looking at it. I was just like, dude, it's he wasn't bad in one. It was just that the other quarterback was just as bad. Speaking of a bad quarterback, up next we have another absolute stinker at the QB position. December so, 9, 2018. So I want I, I want to I want to point this out. I, I want to play a fun little game with the listeners out there. Try to find the common trend in these last four quarterbacks. Just try, just think about it hard and try to find the common trend among four, three, two, and one. All right, Jermaine, take it away. We got oh, Mitchell Trash Bisky. And I, Trash say that, I say that with the least amount of respect possible. He Go to hell, bad. Carolina. He's an absolute stinker at the quarterback position. December 9, 2018 versus the St. Louis Rams. <laughs> oh, yeah. He actually won this game because Jared Goff, Jared Goff outdueled him for worse performance. The title of this article, the title of this game, when we looked it up on the internet, was there but for the a loss but for the grace of Jared Goff. <laughs> Dude, they won 15 to 6 over the Rams. I remember watching this because this is the year the Rams go to the Super Bowl. And and they're in Soldier Field. (laughs) And they're just putting up one of the worst performances. Like both men decided they don't want to play quarterback in the NFL anymore. And (laughs) Trubisky was 16 of 30 for 130 with one touchdown and three INTs. Jared Goff said, Jared Goff said, hold my beer. Completed 20 of 44 passes for 180 yards, no tutty, and four four picks. That's some Nick Morhan Madden stats right there. Dude, you are you are just a turnover machine in Madden. So Not when the new Madden comes out, wait for the Twitch thread to drop in which I break three controllers because Jermaine and I are playing co-op on Madden. Yeah, we're doing a podcast 303 Madden franchise, so stay tuned for that shenanigans. There will be heavy drinking involved. Oh, for sure. So, I said, so that was number four, Mitch Trubitsky. Number three is Todd Collins, quarterback for the Chicago Bears. On this day, October 10th, 2020. Remember, look for the thread, everybody. Look for the thread, guys. October 10th, 2020. Todd no, Collins. 2010, my man. Yeah, 2010. Right. The Bears were playing the Panthers. Collins was a starter because Jay Cutler was dealing with a concussion. And our boy Todd was actually replaced in the fourth quarter. This did not set him up for success. This was his first start since 2007. And our boy, Todd. Went six for 16, 32 yards, no touchdowns, and four interceptions before being replaced by Caleb Haney in the fourth quarter. That's however, a respectful sentence. He was replaced by Caleb Haney in the fourth. However, oh man, they won this game 23 to six, Jermaine. <laughs> what? Because the Carolina Panthers trotted out Jimmy Clausen and Matt Moore. <laughs> to the tune to the tune of 62 yards and three picks with no touchdowns. 
goddamn Panthers. Oh, you guys are stinkers, bro. So this was this was the year that the Panthers went one and fifteen. With uh, so this so this is oh, this is the game. I got to tell you a story about this game. So the Bears in this game, in the third quarter, Lance Briggs, who was a middle linebacker for or was outside linebacker for the Bears, right? Very good blitzing linebacker. Jimmy Clausen obviously has a horrible game, like we like we just described. Lance Briggs says that he came up to there was a blitz call. Lovey Smith, great defensive coordinator, made a blitz call. And Lance Briggs came up to the line to show that he was blitzing. And he said he locked eyes with Jimmy Clausen. And he saw the fear in Jimmy Clausen's eyes. And he changed the play to not a blitz call. Because he said he felt so sorry for the kid. Because Lance Briggs knew (laughs) that he was going to get to Jimmy Clausen and sack him. And they had already done it. So he changed the play because he felt bad for Jimmy Clausen. Jeez, this is just a disrespectful game. And this is only number three. <laughs> this is number three. Buckle, oh, buckle, buckle buckle, up, kids. Remember, three, four, look for the trend. Moving on. Next, we have another miserable performance, as is the, as is the point of this exercise. But it's uh, December 3rd. 2006 Rex Grossman of the Chicago. Oh yes. (laughs) And he's playing the Vikings. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Oh man. So it's 23 13 win. Oh Oh, yes. Grossman had six of 19. 34 yards, no tutties, three INTs, and a passer rating of 1.3. Oh, my God. Yes. This is this is the season that I was talking about. So finish talking about him. No other quarterback with a rating that low has won a game in the 2000s. Only God. three have done it with worse ratings since the 1950s. That's amazing. Gary Cuoso in 1971, Don Galt in 1970, and Jim Hart in 1968. Oh, you got to love it. So he was actually one-upped, as it is the constant trend. He's, the other quarterbacks is, hold my, hold my beer. <laughs> Brad Johnson, Super Bowl-winning Brad Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> matched the board play with 11 completions in 26 attempts for 73 yards, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 10.3. So you guys out there are listening to Jermaine, and you're saying, Jermaine, how did the Chicago Bears do in the 2006 NFL season? And Jermaine, you would say, the Bears lost in the Super Bowl. To the Indianapolis Colts. To old Jermaine. Manning himself. All right, Jermaine, read number one, and then I'm going to read the most mind-boggling season of an NFL quarterback ever. Talking about the oddity that is the Rex Grossman effect. Rex Grossman, the greatest bad Word. quarterback or the worst great quarterback in NFL history. The dude wins. Fuck, fuck it, we're going deep, Grossman. 
in case you didn't realize where this was going, the next game was on October 16th, 2006. Wait, when was the first game? <laughs> the first game was uh, – oh, let me pull that back up. Was it was December third, two thousand six. Okay. So it was okay. after it was it was after this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the worst one of his performances was October sixteenth, two thousand six. Rex Gross moves Mitchell Trashbisky before Mitchell Trashbisky was born. That's right. And it was the Chicago Bears <laughs> versus. Two- <laughs> It's the Arizona Cardinals again. I'm just laughing over there. Cardinals keep getting beat by these <laughs> scrubby quarterbacks. It's because the Cardinals had a period of 10 years where they just had scrubber quarterbacks themselves. <laughs> Chicago wins 24-23. <laughs> Grossman's quoted as, I've never played so bad and won a game like that. It was <laughs> unbelievable. But wait, there's more. <laughs> They're Grossman's down 20 to 0 at halftime. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Grossman had 14 completions out, 37 pass attempts, 144 yards, no tutties, four INTs, two lost fumbles, and a passer rating of 10.2. <laughs> Special teams oh and defense are the trend here. Matt, Matt Leinert fumbles, three yard touchdown. Charles Tim- Tillman returns. Edron James fumble, 40 yards, touchdown. Devin Hester. Shout out the great Devin Hester, eighty-three oh, yard yeah. punt return for a touchdown, <laughs> and when Cardinals kicker misses a forty-one yard field goal with fifty-eight seconds left, that was that. <laughs> My God, dude! And that led to the to the post game meltdown of Dennis Green. The Bears are who we thought they were. <laughs> we let them off the hook. They are who we thought they were. Oh my god. Dude, like, uh, so so you guys noticed the 2006 season with Rex Grossman. Jermaine, I'm going to read you every single game Rex Grossman's quarterback rating that year. Are you ready? Yes. Week 1, 98. Week 2, 148, the highest passer rating that you can get. Week 3, 65. Week 4, 101. Week 5, 101. Week six, that game you just talked about, 10. <laughs> week seven, bye. Week eight, 137.4. Week nine, 36.8. Week 10, 106. Week 11, 81. Week 12, 23. <laughs> week 13, 1.3. And then he goes, oh, we're about to be out of the playoffs there, Chicago Bears. Week 14, 114. Week 15, 104. Week 16, 80. And week 17, he was benched. Or he was. He, they sat out because they were 13 and 3. <laughs> With those QBRs, they were 13 and 3. 13 and 3. And that just speaks to the genius of Lovey Smith and Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs and Tank Williams and Devin Hester. Charles Tillman. Charles Tillman, that's right. Oh man, who's the who's the Bears safety? Uh oh my god, his name, his name is escaping me. And he's was just, it not Charles Tillman? I thought Charles Tillman was a cornerback. I thought he played safety. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm incorrect, but I just dude, I, that Bears defense was 
It, it rivals the 2000. If they would have won the Super Bowl, we'd be talking about them and the 2000 Baltimore Ravens as the greatest defenses of all time. Oh, man, that 2000 Baltimore defense. <laughs> I mean, they had people who actually killed. Yeah, they, they love the game so much that they killed. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, those right. are some pitiful performances by those quarterbacks. Yeah, that was awful. But we we've we've reached our the the fi- the fan favorite segment for the show, Jermaine. What what's the fan favorite segment? And that Jermaine is fine them and cut them. Ooh, that was dramatic. I like the I like that build up. This fine them and cut them, by the way, is brought to you by the trash university. That sits on a hill in North Carolina. That's right, Jermaine. Crapple Hill. Jermaine, can you tell the people why this segment of Feynman Cutham is brought to you by the University of North Carolina at Crapple Hill? So, recent news reports that Ty Lawson, NCAA championship winning Ty Lawson. Basketball well. <laughs> plays, plays, well. plays well plays well plays well, well, well. Uh, was was completely disparaged in closed room conversations between his college coach Roy Williams and Third. 10 different NBA GMs when he was going through his draft process <laughs> And so Ty Lawson recently came out and buried that team and the program. <laughs> and he's like, this is why I don't mess with them anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that, that has to be like, like I, I, I don't think Ty Lawson was there for very long. Was he at Carolina? He was there from 06 to 09. So three seasons. Oh, so he was, he was there for three seasons. That's yeah. it, it just, it's kind of the, like, I don't really see how you can take a guy that was played in your program that's committed that much time to your program, yeah, three years, and averaged 16 points on 53% shooting his 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 junior year, and just bury him to to NFL. Like you, like you spent so much time with this young man, you would think that like even if you had a bad thing to say about him, you wouldn't say it because you're trying to get your guy that gave you wins and gave you money. You're trying to get him paid now because he helped you out. You help him out. That's kind of, I, th- I thought that's how it worked now. Now to say he disparaged him too much, he was picked 18th overall by the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it's not like he bought it. It's not like he bottomed out of the draft. I mean, he was, but he was the best player in the championship game. I mean, he dropped 21 in that championship game where they absolutely blew out Michigan State. So, uh, I like, mean, I, I, I don't understand. His number five is retired by the Tar Heels. Oh, North I Carolina, didn't know that. Yeah. Damn. North, Car- North Carolina retired his number five. You cannot wear number five anymore. Roy Williams is a shady. Oh, customer. never mind. Sorry, sorry. They honored. They honored his jersey. What the hell does that mean? 
So apparently, according to North Carolina's website, to have his journey, his jersey honored, a player must meet one of the following criteria. MVP of a national championship team, member of a gold-winning Olympic team, first or second team All-American. That's really all? Jesus Christ. Uh, ACC Player of the Year or NCAA Tournament. Uh, outstanding MO. player. Yeah, outstanding player. Most outstanding player, yeah. Just to let you know how many of those Ty Lawson met, he was the MVP. Probably the All-American, the MVP, yeah. Yeah. He was the MVP. He was uh, first team All-ACC. Uh, and what was the other one we said? He was an All-American, I would assume, right? Yeah, he was an All-American. That's ridiculous. Yes, I don't know why you buried him. So, Roy Williams, you've been finding cut. You've been put on notice. Get that trash university of yours up out of the state of North Carolina and up out of the United States and drop it in the ocean where it belongs. Go to hell, Carolina. Go pack. Hey, uh, Carolina, how about you go produce some more prospects that don't perform in the NBA? Tyler Hansbro, we're looking at you. <sighs> All right, with that said, uh, we've come to a natural stopping point. <laughs> yeah, so we we here at Podcast Room 303 love to put on for our uh, city, so to say. And one of the causes that we're supporting right now, is, well, that you're, that we did support, is uh, Run For It EP. And what this is, is basically in Jermaine's hometown of Valpaso, uh, a running group uh, met uh, frequently and they would go for runs to, to promote uh, basically like social meet and greets and stuff like that. And they'd go have a couple beers and organize charitable events uh, afterwards with these runs. However, in the these times with COVID and all of that, we have not been able they have not been able to get together and run. So what they did is they launched a social media campaign in which they challenged people to run as many miles as they could just to help with this getting together and the feeling of purpose in these uncertain times. So with that being said, Jermaine, my man, you are close to a goal. And I believe this week you will hit your goal. Maybe this weekend even. Are you going, when are you going for it? So Jermaine is currently at 93 and a half miles, needing six and a half miles to finish. Are you going to go for all six and a half at a time? I don't know. I have, I've been thinking about that. So I'm moving this weekend, as I stated earlier, and uh, it really just depends on how I feel for that. So I'm going to wake up and run tomorrow before I hit the nitty-gritty and move the big things. Um, and depending on how well I feel and how much time I have in the morning uh, will dictate whether or not I just crush a quick little seven-mile sash. Seven miles would put you over 100, and you're going to keep – and that would be with two days left. So you did it, man. Maybe. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't don't jump the gun. There is such a thing as alcohol and hangovers. Yeah, but we did. So so we did talk about that that this is a a uh, community gathering event, virtual community gathering event. So far, everyone using the hashtag Run for it EP and submitting their Nike Run, their Garmin, whatever running app you use, people in this challenge have ran over thirty six hundred miles. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the response, you know, as I say at the end of every podcast, I feel like has just been truly outstanding. Yeah. It's, it's been 
just great to see everyone actually get up and go and, and, and just attack this challenge head on and, you know, not faking an entry to get out of it and sticking tough and just getting to that hundred mile mark. So I just, uh, <laughs> I just good job, I, everybody. I admire that. Very, everybody very involved. Thank you. I admire you, Jermaine. And I know that you and you admire me. We're both, both hundred milers, both of us together. Together, we've ran 100 miles. <laughs> Accurate statement. <laughs> All right, so that's it. Well, as always. As, as al- well, well, Jermaine, not yet. You, you need to give the people what they want for their, for their trivia question. Oh, yeah. I guess I'll carry the trivia so question. I'll, so I'll, I'll read it one more time. This is Jermaine's trivia question. Uh, in honor of the NHL announcing its return in their 2014 playoff, as we discussed earlier, how many eight seeds have hosted, hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup? I'll read it again. How many eight seeds going into the playoffs have hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup? If any, name them. The answer is one. This franchise won its first championship as an eight seed and actually dominated in their playoff run. It was pretty, it was pretty outstanding what they were able to do to uh, people. And I'm actually not a big fan of this uh, team because they did it while the Chicago Blackhawks were real studly. So, you know, that, that hurt my feelings, but they, uh, oh, <laughs> I got it. I'm locked the, in the Los Angeles Kings are the eight seed. And they're the first number eight seed in NHL history. What win. year? What year did they win as an eight seed? 2012. So the 2012 Los Angeles Kings are the only eight seed. I think that was their first Stanley Cup too, wasn't it? It is. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a great that's that's a great trivia question. And, and always, as as we say right here, thank you guys for listening. We can't appreciate we can't appreciate you guys enough. This last week. Over four episodes, we passed 100 downloads. That may not sound big to the big fish, but we appreciate everything that you guys do. You guys are listening. You guys are commenting. You guys are letting us know what we need to change, what you like, what you don't like. We love you guys. Keep supporting us. Keep listening. Keep shit talking. I don't care. No press is bad press. I love it all. I love all of you. Take us away, Jermaine. Yeah, Nick said it, said it real well. Just uh, love your neighbors. Take care of each other. Make sure to stay strong. Follow us on social media at Podcast Room 303. We out. We out.